welcome to Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial place for all of TV. I'm your host, Cecily. I'm Alexis, and we will get through this together. <laughs> we will get through this together. Today, we are going to get through together episode six of His Dark Materials on HBO and BBC, mm-hmm. titled The Demon Cages. Oh, yes. Which was all about demon cages. Yeah. Al- Alexis, what did you think of this episode? Oh, man. <laughs> this one was maybe the hardest episode to watch, not necessarily because of the content, but because it was kind of joyless. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Which, given the subject matter, makes sense. Right. But also, it the budget issues were really, really showing in this episode. Mm-hmm. And everything was just the same color. And I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it right now but i have opinions i I think we both agree it's our least favorite episode of the season so far um not to say it was bad there's any bad performances i mean it's all really well shot but yeah the the palette is so gray and the subject matter is so gray and i guess i'm thinking that i'm missing maybe some of the 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 joy like you said the motivation that the kids I know that they having the kids that were separated of course are not going to be you know a spark of joy or motivation and you know the kids that are there being uh, beaten down by them Um, but you know you see these moments like in the dorm room where all the girls are getting together Mm -hmm. you expect there to be like some something triumphant something for you to feel (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe that's my biggest problem is that at the end of this episode, I didn't feel like we had, I didn't feel like there was a victory Yeah, for our protagonists. Right. It's a, it's just a, a path that they have to follow. Right. That they're all destined to, to set upon and it's going to, it's, it's going to be hard the whole way there. <laughs> yeah. And these, these kids are, I mean, they're going to be okay in the sense that they're going to be in the care of people who actually love them now or Mm -hmm. are trying to love them but they're going to be traumatized for the rest of their lives both the ones that had the demons cut away and the ones who hadn't gone through the procedure yet yeah the ptsd in these kids is going to be off the charts it's going to be rough uh but that's why they call it his dark materials i guess i guess but you know I, i think you were saying this before the episode also that you know, when you see the previews, you think it's going to be this bright, colorful, the Aurora is prominently featured. It's got mm-hmm. James McAvoy. Everyone looks amazing. There's kids and there's animals you can ride. And you think, I feel like if you didn't know what you were getting into by this episode, right? you are feeling like... <laughs> it's a little bit of a bait and switch, especially if yeah. you think about the movie that came out before. Yeah. Didn't you it's also mention so the different. viewership dropped off? Like people are feeling... I don't know what they're feeling. They're feeling it is too dark or they're just going to wait until it all happens and then they'll catch up if it's positive. Maybe. I mean, I think with you see this with every show, right? The first episode, there's like just a ton of people watching it and then it drops off afterward. That's pretty normal. I wouldn't say that the drop off has been huge Mm -hmm. unless you count two million people as huge. It's not small. For a new season. Yeah, maybe. But I know there's a, a kind of a dip before the viewership goes back up around the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, HBO. It feels like you've got HBO money and 
and HBO seems like they're pushing this a little bit more than Watchmen. I actually didn't compare the numbers of who's watching either of those. But if mm-hmm. you go to the HBO website or HBO Now on whatever app you use to watch it, His Dark Materials is always the first thing you it see. It is, yeah. And then Watchmen. Right. So um, I guess that's a whole different point, but I'm confused <laughs> about where the money is. <laughs> Where's the it's money? Because goddamn demons. Follow the money. Let's Let's get right into the episode. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Housekeeping. Something new coming out just this week. We have Bald Move Christmas merch. This is a first for us. We made some ornaments with our logo on it. Uh, Alexis made some cool reindeer skull enamel pins that are absolutely metal. Literally. They're, they're made of metal with enamel on them. If you want to add some Bald Move Jolly to your holly, check out merch.baldmove.com ASAP so you can get these by Christmas. Speaking of Christmas... We're doing this Christmas thing for club members. We do it every year where we watch and podcast Christmas movies, Christmas themed movies. And I think this year might be the best yet. If you're a club member, stop what you're doing right now. Go watch the videos that we made. The podcast versions, they're fine, but the videos are even better because Cecily went and added a bunch of contextual clips from the movie and it just takes things to a whole other level. Go to baldmove.com. You can't miss it. It's on the front page. I just watched Home Alone 2, and it's been like three months since I recorded it, and it's fucking hilarious. We put the entire McAllister family on trial. Kevin, Buzz, all the way to the despicable Uncle Frank. Jim, history's greatest monster. Grandpa Joe from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or Uncle Frank from the Home Alone franchise. I have to see Uncle Frank's history. Like, I don't know how far back this goes, how long he's been conning the family, but Joe's got a 20-year con going, so... I think he gets it. It's a, a debate to be had. And I, I think there's hints that Uncle Frank is a sex pervert, and there's I, yeah, Uncle Joe, uh, Grandpa Joe's just running a just a lazy scam. Yeah, so. he's just his family. Sure, uh, he's not scarring Charlie <laughs> and or their chocolate factory. Uh, non-club members were also giving away the last uh, years. Wait. Non-club members were also giving away last year's 12-minute short film, The One Man Manger, A Very Giamatti Christmas. We did pyrotechnics for this video. It's extremely polarizing. You can see it on our website or search YouTube for One Man Manger. Check it out. Uh, it's kind of a bummer, but we had to reschedule our interview with Kim Rinfro because of scheduling issues last week. Uh, but we're going to have her back this week to talk about binge culture, The Mandalorian, and all things Baby Yoda coming out again later this week. Rick and Morty also came back this week after taking a week-long break, and we got full coverage of that, which is one more episode to go for this little half-season deal that they're releasing on Adult Swim. But we're here for the surprisingly smart extra-dimensional dick jokes. If any of this stuff sounds good, go to baldmove.com to subscribe or search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so we pick up right where we left off last episode, and Lyra has put on her new clean clothes, but no jacket? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, just, just walking cruel. through the snow. <laughs> it's just like conditioning for these kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's brought into the food hall and she spots Roger. Their demons greet each other secretly and privately, but they pretend not to know each other so that they don't give away the game, uh, which is very smart because Lyra doesn't know what she doesn't know yet. Right. And she's being cautious, which is... Surprising, maybe for her character. Well, not for this version of Lyra. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, knowing that what she knows about Mrs. Coulter's connection, of course she would give a fake name, but also 
Roger probably day one comes in there and he's like, Lyra's coming for me. Lyra's coming for me. Lyra Balakwa, you know, from Jordan College. You know? That is true. I had not thought and of that. Billy Costa, too. Right. I, I imagine that would be a cute, like, rallying cry that the kids carried around. Mm-hmm. Do you think, yeah, I don't know. This is just fanfic at this point. Do you think it'd be, it would benefit the show if they had retroactively added some scenes of Roger and Billy surviving together in Ballvanger? Or... Or were they trying to keep this a mystery for some reason? I think it would have, I think it would have helped the emotional impact for sure. Yeah, because, yeah, because go ahead. No, I was talking about when the first time we see Billy Costa, he is heartbreakingly cute. Mm-hmm. And for you to not have more cute scenes to make this connection before he dies, uh, yeah, that would have been, that would have really wrecked me. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think you were speculating in our previous podcast that maybe. That actor didn't quite have the chops to live up to multiple scenes, especially yeah. speaking scenes. He, he never says a word, does he? I don't. Oh, he says ratter. Says okay, ratter. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. He says one word. It's really cute the way he does it. Of I course. mean, I think he can do cute. I think he could do mm-hmm. like cute trying to survive type of. I don't know. <laughs> These kids, they all look so pathetic and sad and broken and blue. Yeah. Um, they're not even talking to each other, which is just a natural thing for kids to do. And they haven't even had their demons cut away yet. It's true. Um, so they come and take little Bridget McGinn, which I don't know, just for me personally, kids with glasses is just so cute. (laughs) Maybe which is why Billy Costa works so well on me. Oh yeah, that's right. It just feels like extra sad. (laughs) They escort her back to an incision room where they relieve her of her demon as you hear the horrors of what's going on and we zoom in on this nurse's demented face she's like she's dissociating it's not even demented she's just like gone for a minute yeah it seemed that it felt like maybe there was a smile because of what she's hearing or a smile because she's been trained to just be positive it looked like a pained smile to me yeah. a little bit yeah she's doing a lot she is very very subtle acting with her face and then she gets snapped out of it literally yeah. by the head. I guess she, I guess that person is the director probably of the facility. Hmm. Or is she the Cooper? lead Dr. scientist? Cooper? Yeah. I think Yeah, it seemed like she was more in charge than Dr. Randall. That's what I thought. I uh, wasn't sure. Or maybe she's just been there longer and has that. Yeah. Can I talk about Lyra eating porridge with like or whatever it was with the world's biggest spoon? <laughs> it was like half the size of her face and she's just trying to jam it in her gob. <laughs> she was. She's. I I love Daphne Keen. What she's doing through this episode, the whole season. Mm-hmm. I. It's so good. She really knows how to work with what she's got. Yeah, she has the chops of someone like at least twice her age. It's great. Someone who deserves to be using a spoon that big. <laughs> you'd say, her chops are that big. <laughs> her chops, her gob, her all of it. Her gob. Uh, so Lyra is brought in for measurements. And pesters Dr. Randall with questions about what he's doing and how he's measuring dust and things like that. Uh, she's cleverly knows how to and when to play dumb mm-hmm. when she knows, because I think she's touched this line with Mrs. Coulter before and knows that if she knows too much, it's going to get her in trouble. So she pretends to not know that dust isn't something you can just wash off. Right. I thought um, in the last episode that maybe they did already know who she was just because of the way that the was it dr cooper you said Mm -hmm. was kind of acting but 
that appears to not be the case yeah like maybe maybe dr cooper had a moment of skepticism about her name but just like ultimately i don't give a shit i'm cutting your demon away there yeah uh so during this there's a fire drill and someone comments that this always happens after someone is taken that's helpful yeah. <laughs> foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> yeah to let you know that this is just a drill and not I don't know. That's the best way to explain that it. it's just a drill, I guess. Right. Uh, outside, the kids are all bundled up, and Lyra meets up with Roger. She sees an opening in his line and starts a snowball fight as a distraction. Natch. Of course she does. Yeah. Which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar <laughs> to the book scene. This kind of thing happens. Speaking of gobs, I actually have it written in my notes as nurse, nurse gets a snowball right in the gob. So <laughs> that's... She does. Okay, she full on straight in the... You know, there's this nurse right here gets a snowball right to her gob. And she also later has a scene where she kind of... It seems like she overhears Lyra and Billy plotting. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to be a thing. Right, why... Which it was not. It was not. And I also thought that why why even... And I feel like she's also an actress maybe I've seen in something else. Yeah. So you cast someone who's a that guy, you know, a kind of a character actor. And then you don't, it feels like something was cut away here. It might have been, yeah. Actually, this isn't the first time I'm going to comment on that. But it feels like some things were cut away in this episode. (laughs) Um, Especially later when they're leaving. So also in the scene, Lyra lies by omission and not telling Roger immediately that Billy is dead. But... I mean, smart. It's not the time and the place to devastate him with the snooze. Yeah. Um, and in this kiosk, we see we see a lot of people's demons. And they're all birds. And by a lot of people's <laughs> bird demons, I mean we saw two. Yep. Accurate. So, that We saw, happened. well, earlier in the episode, um, the girl who got called to have her poor little demon cut away, she had a rabbit, I think. There was a little, there was a very sad bunny hopping behind her. Yeah, yeah, we're going to see that so bunny three. again. <laughs> right now, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, Roger and Lyra run away during the snowball fray, and they sneak through a door that must lead to an exit while it's unlocked because a nurse is coming through. Mm-hmm. They find the demon cages, the uh, titular demon cages, <laughs> and see that see all the children's separated demons, including Bridget's bunny, that's just banging its head against the wall. So sad. Very sad. Um, they already—they already had the bunny model from Hester, so exactly. we saved a little money there. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> it's my a thought. Tiny Hester. Yeah, Tiny Hester banging her head against the wall. Um, Hester's daughter, probably. <laughs> so they also find Ratter's empty cage, and Lyra does confess to, that Billy's dead. Um. And they they wonder where all the children are. If Billy and Ryder are dead, then where are the children who are separated? Mm-hmm. And they find the kids, and it's not it's bleak. It's not great. I there. You know what? One thing I will say positively about this episode is that I'm glad they went into this a little bit more. I don't remember in the book them ever actually addressing the kids who had already had their demons cut away. Right. They only spoke of the kids who hadn't, you know, gone through puberty yet. Yeah. And I think, can we talk about book differences? Because I don't think it's a spoiler now that it's happened. Yeah. In the, in the books, in the book, the first book at least, Kaiza 
is the one that is guiding them through this to like show them maybe where the demon cages are after they already create this distraction mm-hmm. and maybe they give access to Kai or to Kaiza to the facility or something like that. But he helps them guide all the demons out of the cages at this point. Right. And it makes you wonder what's going to happen to all these, you know, people demons. Mm-hmm. Is there a way, if there's a way to separate them, is there a way to can reconnect them? Or is there a life for them so separate? Yeah, or has something mm-hmm. like very vital just been taken from them and they'll never get it back? Yeah, and it also makes you wonder, with all these children who had their demons cut away, mm-hmm. or all the people who have their demons cut away, where did the did the demons go with Egyptians when they left at the end? I I think they did. I believe they had them in cages. Oh, they had them in cages. the cages. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A lot of questions about how that mm-hmm. works. <laughs> um, so they make a plan to take advantage of the next fire alarm. And the next one will be on Lyra. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so... Later in the doctor's quarters, they drink to celebrate freedom and the conclusions of their work there because they have developed an intercision process that kills 20% less children. Success. Yeah. Wow. Boy, what a what a good thing to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, uh, it's Dr. Cooper and Dr. Dr. Randall. Dr. Randall. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen him in something else. I feel like it. he's doing. I like what he's doing here. He's good. Yeah. He knows how to be confident to the children and put them in their place. And then he knows when to express these uh, bits of remorse and the, the bits of remorse to the children. Yeah. I like him. He did deserve to die, though. <laughs> well, you know, he was complicit. Yeah. So um, uh, they... He's got a bit of a conscience here. He does, shockingly. He... And these people are just absolutely obsessed with the idea of original sin. Yeah. I, yeah, it's it's really interesting how they think they're proving that, but I think they just must be, I guess that's what belief is, Mm -hmm. just acting on it and just knowing in your heart that you're doing the right thing. I don't know what that's like to be just so 100% certain. With no actual evidence. Right. I have a question though, and this is, we are not going to find the answer to this because it's a religion thing. There are no good answers, <laughs> but if God is this all-knowing being, this omniscient, omnipresent being, how did he not know that Adam and Eve were up to shenanigans in the garden that would cause original sin? It was, I believe it was put there as a temptation for them. <sighs> but how did he not know what they were going to choose? And if he did know, or they, or whatever did know then original sin is part of the plan and who the fuck are these people to mess with god's plan right if he created if he created us in his adam and eve in his perfect image then mm-hmm. being perfect also means being fallible being capable of mistakes yeah yeah all i know is that we should all feel goddamn ashamed <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. What was it? What was it? Mrs. Coulter says later. It's uh, sin, guilt, and regret mm-hmm. that they're trying to cut away. Mm-hmm. You know, all the things that kind of make people, people people, right, and not sociopaths. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're just. Sorry, everyone... I've 
I have so many questions. No, no, there's there's a lot more questions to come here. <laughs> um, we go to Will in our world watching interviews of his father, the hot priest, of course. <laughs> and you can see from this YouTube interview that the date of it is in 2006. Mm-hmm. So, and Elaine said that he was has been missing for 13 years. So I think that's kind of confirmation that it's definitely set in 2019. Yeah. Um, and then we go outside and the quiet male, <laughs> oops, the quiet man and the pale man have become <laughs> fast friends and they talk about why he isn't breaking in yet. And he says that because Elaine knows that they're watching, he's going to wait to pick his time. Yeah. And the way he said it, it's like, it's almost like he wants them. He wants her to know that they're watching. Which, why? Why? Just to intimidate her? To oh, I don't try know. to make her do something off-balanced? Maybe. These two pasty nobodies just sitting in a car. <laughs> right. I mean, essentially, this none of this makes sense. It's just, it's just for us as women to get some spank bank material with more Andrew Scott on screen. <laughs> I suppose. I gotta say, I don't see it, but you, y'all do you. <laughs> All right. You watch Fleabag and then come back to me. Okay. Uh, but also just to remind us that these people exist in another world. Mm-hmm. So back at Ballvanger, uh, what I prefer to refer to as my world, <laughs> <laughs> Coulter's very private airship arrives and the girls are practicing a routine for preparing for her arrival. Uh, the doctors escort Coulter in and explain that with their advances, the children can be conscious before and after the procedure. And explains that the children are getting more responsive. It's not worse. And uh, she thinks that's excellent progress and wants a live demonstration. Because of course she does. Because <laughs> she's kind of a monster. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can watch in these scenes and know how it's so easy to do um, bad things. Like, yeah, she has a point... That they are creating this machine that can, you know, separate you from your demon. And you can imagine a world where this process is more developed Mm -hmm. and successful, where you can choose to have this done if you want to. And that should be a choice that you're allowed to have. Yeah, I mean, there are people... I mean, look at the woman herself, Mrs. Coulter. Like, you can kind of understand why she would be researching this. Mm -hmm. She hates her demon. Mm -hmm. She absolutely despises it. Right. Poor stupid monkey. Right, exactly. Um, And, yeah, you can't help but draw the parallels between this and, you know, Nazi doctor science and a lot of the horrors of, like, medical science that were performed on people in Japan as well during the war. And those were huge medical developments that we made. Mm-hmm. Not worth it at all. Right. But it does make you wonder about the kinds of things that they're onto because they are do seem to be making progress in this in this thing. So with Ballvenger destroyed, I wonder if it's going to happen in the future. If anyone's gonna pick up this mantle. It's a good question. Larger, mildly interesting questions. <laughs> I don't know if that one is mildly interesting. Oops, spoiler. All right. <laughs> uh, 
Lyra ends up telling the girls in her dorm that she's Mrs. Coulter's daughter because they're not going to take anything but the truth from her. Right. And she also drops a knowledge on them that in uh, in the scene that Coulter is separating the children from their demons. Mm -hmm. So that was enough to get them motivated. Yeah. (laughs) Just nothing but fear, threats, and intimidation we have to hang our hats on here. (laughs) They did do something. I don't know if... That's probably super obvious with the lighting here where the lighting on the girls in the forefront was very blue and kind of grim, but the lighting on Lyra was kind of a yellowy. It was making her look like a beacon of hope, basically, mm. for these kids. So that was one nice touch. That's sweet. I appreciate it. Uh, Mrs. Coulter comes into the v- room to inspect which is something she does every time she visits, I guess. And by inspect, you mean a touch like every single one of these girls' chins. Please stop touching people. Yeah. So Just, gross. It's it's such a gross power move. Uh, the girls do play it very cool, though, mm-hmm. while Lyra's hanging on the underside of a bed. <laughs> and she does the classic switcheroo where she co- she leaves and then comes back immediately for one more thing. All right. Um. Boy, the upper body strength required to hold yourself for that long. And I'm glad that they were showing her, like, struggling with it. Would have yeah. had to call bullshit otherwise. Yeah. No, I would have been discovered immediately. Me <laughs> <laughs> uh, too. So Mrs. Coulter's monkey comes very close to discovering Lyra in the scene. Mm-hmm. And I'm not convinced that the monkey didn't see her. If I, you, if, Yeah, if you think that the monkey has consistently been the slightly more caring of the two if you can say that then i could see that and also like don't monkeys and just animals in general have a good sense of smell yeah wouldn't maybe recognize but then do demons even follow the rules of animals i don't know you haven't shown me enough about demons show (laughs) exactly sorry (laughs) i imagine they'd have to i mean the monkey didn't do that to every single bunk the monkey was drawn to this bunk to look under exactly the empty one yeah where someone's, you can hear someone straining to hold <laughs> on. Grunting underneath. You could smell the sweat in the air. I'm sure as a human, the I could panic sweat. I could find yeah. the bunk. <laughs> but I don't know. Just another interesting connection, disconnection between those two. That's uh, a nice thought. I hadn't thought about that. That the monkey maybe knew and just didn't share that information. Yeah. Because we wouldn't be given the chance. That's fair. Um... So our ragtag group of heroes are carrying Lee's balloon across a mountain as God, fast as they can. Yeah, so those fucking sledges trying to drag them across cliff faces like yeah. travel lighter. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, just take the balloon. Wouldn't it, I don't know. Would that have been easier? Harder? You, I think you have to find natural gas deposits in order to inflate the balloon. And also the balloon doesn't have like any kind of steering system really. Oh, which yeah. is why later on Serafina... Gives him a toe. Gives him a toe, yeah. <laughs> Sticks uh. her toe right in his mouth. Gross. <laughs> what? No, that didn't happen. <laughs> it's my fan fiction, sorry. <laughs> uh, so back at Bolvanger at mealtime, Lyra spreads the plan of escape to all the other kids, but the doctors come for her at the same time. However, I expect suspect that she is a category a and very very close to puberty which is the reason why they chose her first to take back here yeah that's uh they said that is what they said in the last episode 
Uh, she tries to run away. She makes uh, a lot of attempts at escape here. And in the hallway, they snatch her demon, mm-hmm. which is, uh, from what I believe, is a horrifying kind of breach of not just etiquette, but you just, it's just not done. It's taboo. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what would it be equivalent to. It's akin to like a sexual assault or something like that. A sexual assault or like. Like a very personal violation. Yeah. Uh, but I don't I don't get that. I just think it's an animal that you were able to just touch at any time from yeah. this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, these doctors are committing all sorts of atrocities. And I'm sure true. they know that if you subdue a demon, the kid can't do shit. So. Yeah. Poor uh, little pan. Yeah. So Lyra and Pan are thrown into the machines and they're booted up and Pan get Pan changes into his fiercest form. His fox. <laughs> so fox. Yeah. <laughs> his new fiercest form. Yeah. And uh Adorable. so Lyra is yelling at the doctor that you can't do this, you don't know who I am. I'm Mrs. I know Mrs. Coulter, I'm her daughter. And she fought him tooth and nail when he was carrying her yes. into the thing too, which go girl i appreciated that yeah i like this when she she jumped out of the thing and she's like pan and she runs away we know even if they don't stop her she's not getting far mm-hmm. um we know i don't know that yeah people haven't Does read people the books that? no, that's what should have happened <laughs> they keep showing they are ah the lack of a consistency between how far away people's demons can be because sometimes it seems like they can only be, you know, 10 feet away before it starts hurting. Mm-hmm. And other times you're literally in two separate rooms. Yeah. And it's totes fine. <laughs> yeah. NBD. NBD. Uh, so Dr. Randall's like, well, asking questions <laughs> so you can try kind of feel bad later. Maybe. I don't know. Why did they make him so empathetic? I don't know. Maybe they just wanted at least one person here. It wasn't a complete sociopath well but they all still are (laughs) (laughs) no for sure still complicit doesn't matter if you feel a little bit bad about it still went through with it so miss coulter shows up and i have a question why did they start this live demonstration without her there what if she had were like two minutes later she would have missed the whole thing yeah i don't know maybe it takes a minute to warm up (laughs) yeah who knows well she certainly wouldn't have let the thing get this far so i guess that's the whole point is mm-hmm. that you needed this very tense meeting here where yep. she stops the process from happening and I think they see each other for the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, once the performances between Ruth Wilson and Daphne Keene are incredible. I continue to love them as mother-daughter combo. and It's this- very dynamic. Like, they're, they're so similar in, like, spirit, I would say, Mm -hmm. but they are so different in morals. Right. And it's a really beautiful, like, foil to put these two in the same room together. Yes, absolutely. They're both just as ferocious and intimidating. Mm -hmm. She comes by it honestly. (sighs) Yeah. And for, you know, a 12-year-old, her 12-year-old daughter to be going toe-to-toe with her has got to be, it's got to be tough. (laughs) Yeah, impressive, but also incredibly frustrating. Right. You got to feel so proud of that. But at the same time, you don't have any right to feel proud because you gave that up a long time ago. Right. It's not like you had a hand in raising this awesome, fierce, <laughs> yeah. uh, good-hearted person. Uh, so in her, in Mrs. Coulter's quarters, she explains that she didn't keep Lyra when she was a baby because she knew she wasn't meant to be a good mother. And it wouldn't have worked out for either of them, which, fair. Fair. Absolutely. They would have k- killed each other probably. <laughs> yeah. 
And so she let Azriel pursue his own means to take care of her, which, of course, we know was giving her to the Egyptians for a short while before depositing her at Jordan College in the flood. Uh, so she tries to also defend intersizing these children while at the same time telling Lyra that she would never let something like that happen to her. Mm-hmm. Um, this she's She's doing her best gaslighting here. Yeah. And she gives her this narcissistic speech about how, well, if you don't want me to be happy, then. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that me being the way I am is so bad right. for everyone else. Like, lady, you don't you don't get a free pass for being a terrible person just because it's who you are. Right. Like, there are still consequences Absolutely. to your actions. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you can just do whatever you want because you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not how anything works. It's never. Well. That's how it works for some people, I guess. <laughs> shouldn't be. Yeah. For the people that this kind of manipulation works on, I guess. Right. Um, she she blames demons for the desires yeah. that come with uh, sexual and emotional maturity. Yeah. Which is... Which is just... I'm not sure. She's doing this thing with her face where, for one, her eyes can hold tears infinitely and they never <laughs> fall out. It's so good. Yeah. It's brilliant. (laughs) But also, you know, she's, it seems like she's doing this to all of these kids because she's feeling bad about her own regrets. Mm -hmm. And these kids don't even have time to make those regrets. Like, which we said again is part of being human. Part of the human experience. Like, we have such a short time on this planet, and the whole thing is just to, like, do your best, learn from your mistakes. Have some regrets. Try to live a good life. Have some regrets that <laughs> some make pride. you grow as a person. Yeah. yeah. Have some things you can look back and say, I wish hadn't happened, but I'm glad they did because of what we all learned. And I have some things I'm super proud of. It's better to be full and have a little bit of sadness inside you than to be empty and happy all the time. Right. So Coulter asks Lyra for the alethiometer that she was given at the Jordan College. <laughs> And Lyra cleverly takes the opportunity to manipulate Coulter right back. Yeah. She puts her hand on her cheek, calls her mother, plays all of those chords, which has to be so, which she's doing really well, but has to be so hard to do. Mm -hmm. Like, this is your mother. This is something you probably dreamed about a lot. Right. Yeah. Uh, And you probably dreamed about having a mother and father and being this or that. And you have to face this reality and survive it and she does Mm -hmm. she does with flying colors this okay again i have to say this is one of the best maybe the best scene Mm -hmm. from this episode Mm -hmm. these two playing off of each other they did it so well that i almost forgot that there was a bug in there and i have read the books multiple times (laughs) and i watched the show and talked about it on a podcast (laughs) and i almost forgot but as soon as I saw the scenes, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, it is About to get it. Yeah. About to get it in the face. Right in your gob. You bad, she bad did. lady. She got gone in the gob. She got gobbed. So it's the spy fly that was locked away in there. Yeah. And it knocks her down, which allows Lyra to escape at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this, this I think might be my favorite scene. Where Lyra takes a fire extinguisher and is breaking the keypad, which controls the lock. Yeah. And they're both screaming, screaming on either side uh-huh. of the door. It's so raw. It's it's amazing. It's it really uh, makes me feel kind of choked up even now. Uh, I mean, you can imagine having, yeah, 
those that kind of relationship with your mother where you're like you're both the same but you're at odds like maybe you're a teenager and you have, have a great to. relationship with your mom now maybe you don't have a great relationship with your mom now <laughs> and you'd love to have this kind of scene it's it's good I, say, I don't have to imagine <laughs> yeah this is something that's definitely happened in my past right so maybe maybe it's just us i don't know it yeah. works i don't know and that's yeah, why it was super effective maybe that's why it was so effective um for us the so the kids are all getting ready to leave as the fire alarm's going off and lyra asks roger to go get the kids without demons and you kind of get a sense here that there is a taboo of sorts or some kind of hesitation to wanting to be around kids without demons which what, what would you what would you compare this to in the real world i mean like it some would kind be... of pariahs right yeah, but I would also say in terms of the way Roger's probably feeling about it, I have seen the way that some children were, will act around um, kids with mental disabilities. Okay. That's you know, like to, You know, those kids tend to be segregated out in elementary school if you don't have the money to send your kid to a special education facility. Those kids will be separated out, and that classroom is always treated with, like, a little bit of weirdness. Yeah. Yeah, that, or, like, or, or like, going to a mental asylum, like, a uh, where people have, like, severe mental disabilities like that. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what. Like, people who are just gone out of their head with, I don't know, schizophrenia or things like that. It's just, know. it's uncomfortable, I yeah. think. And that's definitely what we're seeing on this kids' chubby little cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it benefits these kids because child actors have to be hard to work with, be kind of like despondent and... Uh, catatonic. Catatonic. Yeah, that's the word <laughs> I'm looking for. Thank you. Lyra finds her clothes and uh, I imagine her lithiometer was put away with these original clothes she arrived in. Mm-hmm. And she's quickly getting dressed while Pan is yelling in her <laughs> ear for her to hurry. I love this because... I love these scenes and this is why this, this show would have benefited so much more with more demon interactions because I've been that person where I'm getting dressed in the morning and I'm telling myself like, come on, come on, come on, you got to hurry, you got to hurry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? um, nurse Clara finds her, the one with the demented look on her face. The dead-eyed nurse. Yeah. yeah. The one that they have gone in and CGI'd all the shine out of her eyes. Yeah, Make it look like shark eyes. Yeah. Did they do that? You know I that don't for know. a fact because it's amazing. I don't know if they did that for a fact, but it sure fucking seems like it because they're completely flat. Oh, yikes. Yeah, that must be an extra element to why she's so creepy. Um, Lyra reminds her of a time when she had a demon before they cut it away, and she remembers its name is Nicholas. And that memory that she sparks in her allows Lyra to escape. Um, It's kind of strange to me that with all of these kids and their demons that she would have never or wouldn't constantly be remembering Nicholas. In in the books, these nurses have their demons walking beside them, but they're... Separated, but together. Yeah, exactly. They're more like pets than a conscious part of them because that connection has been severed. We've only, in the show, we've only ever seen broken people and broken demons, but, and I know in the books and yeah in the books that they were separate but you know whole Mm -hmm. together 
um, can the demons still get far away even if, if they're cut away from them? Could, I don't know. They don't go into that. Do the demons I still like talk so. and have personalities? That they don't. I know that for sure. Okay. They don't talk anymore. Oh. Because okay. So they do become just like truly animal pets. Basically, yeah. They still poof away when you die hmm. into dust, but Aww. there's not that subconscious connection anymore. Um, so the next scene, Roger finds the kids that have had their demons cut away and it seems pretty hopeless. They're all just kind of sitting there and they're not responsive, but he convinces them to escape thanks to a new intercision formula that makes kids 5% more responsive. <laughs> Yay. I mean, I, they can walk now. <laughs> I was under the impression that if you were just like that, you know, catatonic, like you said, that a motivational speech it can't just it's i mean it's like telling a depressed person to just yeah, cheer up exactly. like come on it's not yeah. so bad yeah we're he's just... he's doing his best though he's a kid he's... eventually he does he yeah. does get them out so he herds them yeah it's not it's not what he's doing it's how why it works that's so baffling to me yeah um but lyra breaks this intercision machine she pushes all the buttons and turns all the knobs until something happens yep. girl after my own heart I yeah love it. <laughs> exactly what i do too <laughs> and she gets out in barely the, enough time to escape the thing like implodes and explodes at the same time yeah it's it chernobyl's and bizarre. she i don't know why she was hesitating to run but she stays for way too long <laughs> drama uh, she has yeah. a good sense of drama uh, Mrs. Coulter's demon shows her the path that he takes to go find things, and she climbs into the vents to go find something. Um, Trying children... to get out of that room that she's been locked into. Was she locked in there? Yeah, because remember, um, Lyra broke the keypad, oh, so she couldn't get out. She... Okay. Well, that's my bad. Missed that. Uh, so she breaks out of her room. <laughs> <laughs> the children are trying to escape when they're cornered by the doctor, Randall. And the Egyptian party arrives just in the nick of time. Yes. Yeah. Ma Costa takes Randall and slits his throat. Yep. They don't really show it. They don't show it. I mean, for as adult as the themes are kind of in this show and as dark as it gets. I have a whole, oh, I have a whole diatribe about that. It Unless you saw that his demon had kind of like poofed and that even that was a subtle note mm -hmm. you wouldn't know that she slit his throat yeah. she absolutely did yep um but then they're almost taken over until lee scoresby fires directly into a crowd of children and innocent people yep. innocent people are egyptians are heroes right thankfully he gets the guy he's a, <laughs> mm -hmm. he's a better shot than he used to be i guess i guess Huge risks to take, though, to find that out. Yeah, but also good moment for Lee. But also, you know the kids were going to die if they stayed anyway, so what's the diff? <laughs> Bleeding out, I think, is the difference. Okay. Bleeding out slowly and horribly. <laughs> well, he doesn't have a gun anymore after this episode, so what's... That's so, true. Moot point. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, Lyra is saved by Yorick, and they have some Yorick. cute banter. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> There'll be time for pleasantries afterward, you silly bear. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, I thought he didn't have emotions. <laughs> right. He's connecting with this tiny 
pink animal. Yeah. Uh, Ruth Wilson. Her, sorry, I don't know why I wrote Ruth Wilson. M- Mrs. Coulter. Goes full monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Goes full monkey. Jumps onto this desk and it just. And just I, crouches there. It's perfect. Yeah. I, I love this performance. I can't really tell who is acting like who. Like, is the mm-hmm. Coulter, or is the Coulter, is the Coulter acting like the monkey, or is the monkey acting like Coulter in certain scenes? Yeah. It's, it's really good. Seems like the more stressful the situation is, the more she, I don't want to say reverts, but, like, the more she reflects why her demon is a monkey. Yeah. It's because she is She's primal in that way. Yeah. Yeah. She is. Makes you wonder what Lyra's demon's going to settle into. Mm, mm. I know. I don't have to wonder. <laughs> but you do. Ha. I have all the information. <laughs> all of it. All the secrets. You do. Don't tell us. I probably won't remember half of them anyway. It's okay. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, Serafina Pecola arrives just in time to end the fight swiftly. So yeah, that's it. That was a hell of fight a fight over. Deus Ex Machina. Hmm. Deus Ex Serafina. Deus Ex sure. Serafina Pecola. Deus Ex Pecola. Deus Damn Ex it. Pecola. There it, it was is. right there in front of us. We got there, though. We did. I'm going to edit this to make Teamwork. it seem like we got there immediately. <laughs> Don't you dare. People need to hear us thinking out loud. Um. So I want to talk about some book differences right here. I'm going to say first before you do that. I don't love that the Tartars are just like these faceless bodies to slay. They're just... Oh, the Tartars aren't the white dogs that stand on the grates and look down at you? <laughs> yeah, no, I... Because who, yeah, who are they? Tartars, by the way, just quick geographical information here. Um, Tartary is analogous to Russia in our world, so mm. Tartars are Russians. Ah. But then, also, the people who kidnap Lyra initially mm-hmm. um, in the last episode, they Is actually it... talk to her in the books, and they refer to themselves as Samoyeds. Yeah, they're so. s- s- Samoyeds, yeah. I think we made jokes about the kind of Samoyed dogs that they have with them, which isn't true. <laughs> yeah, I think we made jokes about that. <laughs> nope, they are timber wolves, I believe. But anywho. Okay. What would you like to... Um in the book, this was a really big battle. Mm-hmm. There wasn't just Serafina. She brought her clan of witches. And they met with all of these Tartars. And they fought them with Egyptians. And it was in front of the facility in this big open space. Yeah. Big open battle. They didn't just run it over. It wasn't as quickly over as that. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids... It was more than one witch, too. Did you just say that? Yeah, I, I think it was her whole clan. I can't remember how many, but... At least part of her clan, yeah. And the kids are led out by Lyra, mm-hmm. and Lyra makes this grand escape, and they have to run in the snow for a while. Right. And to the point where Lyra and Roger are really questioning what they're doing and yeah. why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I actually misspoke. The witches engage in this battle. The Egyptians are on their way, and they eventually meet up with the kids and rescue them in that way. As but, they're running through the snow, trying to get away from this fight that's happening behind them. Right, because yeah. there is just like this empty, icy wasteland. Mm-hmm. And was running away the right thing to do, because they could be running in the opposite direction of the, the Egyptians, and they could all just die in the ice. Right. And there's some stakes, and there's some, I don't know, I feel like 
they're like with Lyra questioning whether or not she's making the right decision is important too. Mm-hmm. Because we know with the prophecy, everything she's going to do is going to be the right thing. But to have from her perspective, whether or not she's doing the right thing or being aware of some kind of prophecy or having the alethiometer, is that changing things? I feel like those are all really important and interesting questions that are raised by that scene. Um, and I understand that this battle, because they are saved in the same way and they all move forward from that, isn't exactly necessary, but I don't know. It, it didn't was missing make for, for it didn't make for amazing television to have it to show it the way that they did. And they again reused the same tiny set. Yeah. That they had used in previous scenes. Yeah. So just yeah, it feels like the budget was what was missing here. Mm-hmm. Also close quarters battles are never it's just not that fun to watch because it it does knowing things that i know uh close quarters battles do end pretty quickly Mm -hmm. just because there's nowhere to run to (laughs) so you kill or be killed (laughs) yeah you're the strongest longest person (laughs) (laughs) and you win exactly where if you know in a bigger space it's more dramatic you can zoom in on different parts of the battles Parts of the battle, I should say. Yeah. And we got some of that. Like, maybe we saw a stunt double with, with uh, what was his name? Lin-Manuel's voiceover on the top saying, is that the best you've got? And we <laughs> saw the bear flash a couple times. But, you know, you didn't see right. individual acts of heroism in the battle. I don't know. I Seemed do know. very easy. And because it was so easy, I don't think that they earned this very like long slow 10 minute denouement at the end of the episode yes where they kept cutting between slow things that are happening yeah like you didn't earn that no not at all they just well let's get to building yeah we've been building up to this for five episodes and (laughs) this is what we get and it just i don't know i guess we just had to get through it to get to the bears yeah it leaves you wanting yeah um so Roger brings the kids out that were cut, and the Egyptians almost don't hesitate to accept them as part of their own, um, which is which is nice. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's got to—I don't know—I don't know why they would have to hesitate so much to accept these kids. Maybe that's something I'm missing too. Like, why would someone who's been violated in such a way to have their demon cut away? why they're unacceptable in society anymore but you know it's that whole in this world if you don't have a demon you're you're unnatural something's wrong with you it's just assumed it's like i can't draw a parallel that well maybe just like the mental illness parallel we drew earlier like if you're gonna take in someone who's got a mental illness or a, a severe physical disability or an addiction or something like that something that's an other Mm-hmm. then, of course, you have to take on a lot of responsibility in in the care of them. Maybe that's kind of what it's like? I don't know. Could be. Just trying to make this in something... I'm just trying to recontextualize it into something relatable because <laughs> yeah. the show's not doing it for that's us. That's what I was going to say, because the show did not do it for us. So <laughs> yeah. we have to kind of extrapolate on our own. Uh, so Col- Mrs. Coulter is looking on from the doorway. There's nothing she can do to stop Lyra from getting away or any of this happening because and they've she been defeated. Sneaks off, sneaks uh, off like a monkey. Yeah, she flees. Hmm. 
Um, so Lyra and Roger leave on the balloon with Lee and Yorick. Um, balloon to... seems a little bit small for Yorick in this scene. <laughs> well, they do show it listing very heavily to one side, which I appreciated. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we know. It's a little crazy that there's a however many thousands of pounds polar bear in yeah. this balloon. But also, look, there is some <laughs> physics happening. Right. Uh, so this is the other part that I thought was edited strangely. So you see the farter quorum is lingering in the periphery here. Mm-hmm. He and Lyra don't have an emotional goodbye. Mm-hmm. She gets on with Ma Costa for some reason, which she just built up a relationship over the last two episodes when farter quorum was the first person that Lyra chose to trust again. I thought that was weird too. He wasn't, I mean, literally just that little shot of him. Right. That was it. Like, like Seraphine came and went, and we saw a shot of him like being sad at the sky. Yeah, and he then, was. That's who I wanted. Yeah. I wanted that father daughter relationship, which is mm-hmm. what I th- I was feeling was building between them, and they didn't get a goodbye. But Lee Scoresby got some one liners with Roger, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that was I don't know. <laughs> Is that the last time they're going to see each other? Because that makes me really sad. And again, recontextualizing it so that I can feel something for the show. <laughs> yeah. I can't say. Yeah, I can't, can't say, say whether or not it's the last time. So anyway, Serafina, <laughs> Farter Quorum's old love interest, is flirting with Lee at night. Yeah, <laughs> while giving well, him... he's, he's young now. Right? Yeah. Ready? She's single <laughs> and ready to thing. mingle. Got, yep. got some closure with her Farter Quorum. Uh, so she gives Lee a little bit of a toe and asks him to continue to keep Lyra safe for zero monies. And he got more than he bargained for when he grew to love Lyra. You blindsided me with love. Oh, mm. that was cute. That was a very cute line. Yeah, that's really cute. This scene is... But this the, they're scene. telling me that there's like a father-daughter relationship here. So that, showing it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more of a comrade-in-arms kind of fellow con artist thing to me yeah based on what they're showing us before but fine whatever uh this scene of these two talking to each other is the final scene in the movie okay oh yeah yeah, yeah. the golden compass movie mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i think that would have been a good final scene for this episode as well it wouldn't have been terrible but i, I love a good cliffhanger and this yeah. one was amazing mm-hmm but that's not what we got. <laughs> <laughs> well, if so, I appreciate cutting between different uh, perspectives to tell a story. Mm. But I think there are times that you should maybe linger on one perspective. Like if, if we had gone from this scene straight to the scene where they get attacked from, yes. by the cliff ghasts. You don't give us this slow scene of res- resolution and then action again. Yeah. Like if they had made a mad escape, didn't have time for goodbyes and go into the mountains and then get attacked by the cliff gas, then exactly. yeah. Exactly. If right before they got onto the balloon, that is when we had cut back to... Except we couldn't do that. No. Because that doesn't make sense. Sorry. Yeah. I I just... I, yeah, you're right. They're having these all these goodbyes and everything and then going back in action to just so you can leave it on a cliffhanger is is an interesting choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. That was made. Yep. And why... Yeah. No, it was a choice that they made. So (laughs) 
Lee immediately fails the mission that he promised Serafina Pecola by keeping Lyra safe. He drops her out of a basket when they're attacked by these cliff gas. Yeah, a lot of other <laughs> stuff happens before that, though. We have to see the... Oh, you're right, <laughs> you you're mentioned right, you're that right. your notes kind of petered off at the end. I sure did. did. I did. We kinda. saw there was a scene of the Egyptian party that was left behind in the snow or in the woods, like leaving mm-hmm. Bullvanger. Yes, Bullvanger. Mm-hmm. And they are discussing the the future of these kids and, and how even if they do, even if they are reunited with their families, like. If the families don't want them, then they'll take them in. Yeah. Which and is the Egyptian way. And they'll never be normal again. Yeah. These kids Probably. are going to have a lot of... So they have therapy? I wonder what that's like. We're just like going to therapy with like a person who has a demon and your demon. Do your demons like therapize each other? <laughs> Might. <laughs> These are, see, important question podcast is what we should have called this. Right. I, I remember in the book, sometimes we see if a person doesn't really want to talk to somebody else. Like, sometimes their demon will reach out to the other person's demon instead. And, and just put their hand on their face and push them away. <laughs> <laughs> reach out. Emotionally reach out. They oh. will kind of whisper together. And then that kind of closeness leads to the people actually speaking to each other. We'll never see that in this show, I'm sure. But Yeah. But I that's why I think therapy would actually probably be a lot easier yeah in that kind of world right when you can't really disguise those emotional truths speaking directly to somebody's subconscious like how powerful is that yeah yeah it's hot (laughs) (laughs) i immediately took it to the sexual place like all the implications there this is christmas lights on your mic stand making you horny (laughs) so horny (laughs) so horny (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm horny here. Hey, I'm horny over here. <laughs> what? What happens? All right, so we already talked about how Lee failed his mission. You know, Lin Manuel, he's doing a lot better every episode. He and is. I think he's being directed better. Yeah. We didn't talk too much earlier about the directors, but there's a there's been a different director for every episode except for two of them. Is that what you said? There are, I can go into this, um, the first two episodes were the same director. Then there was a one-off for the third episode. And the fourth, which gave us Lynn being stage Lynn, was a different director also. A director who's only worked in Broadway. <laughs> no, that's not true. He has. Uh, he directed some episodes of Doctor Who. He directed, his name's Otto Bathurst. So I don't want to like give him that hard of a time because also no, no. well is such a nice person like right. how do you tell him eh, could you could you just take it down like three notches yeah. maybe stop chewing the scenery sir right yeah i feel like if you tell lynn to be more serious he can do that he can, he can. stop making he can stop delivering every line as if it's a joke yeah because he did in the last two episodes yeah but very good very mm-hmm. good what i'm getting from him now um again just i like where they went with their relationship i just wish they had done better in the beginning part of building it up up. yeah Yeah. uh this week that's all i've got for this episode do you have anything else um we could talk about the pacing issues of the show okay and try to parse like why does it feel slow 
Yeah, there have been, we're on our sixth episode. I felt like this battle at the end was rushed and it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, unquestionably it was. And then I think about why it was rushed and in service of what that they have to accomplish in the last two hours. They have two more hours to tell a story. And I'm, I try to compare this to the Golden Compass movie where they did a lot of the same things. They clipped some parts, which I, th- I think they made good decisions on what parts they didn't spend a lot of time on. But how did they do a little bit more with the scenes that they were given in two hours? And we've spent six here. Mm-hmm. So I go back and look at IMDb and I look at the episodes that we've seen so far. And I try to think about everything that happened in each one and where all that time was spent. We've had six hours. I think we have... I think that this issue is also tied in with the struggle that the show has between the struggle that the show has to decide who its audience is. Who is the audience for this show? Because it is very dark. Lots of rough stuff happens, but it is also rated TV-14, so they can't show any blood. They can't show any, like, super bad violence. They can't swear. None of that. Right. But it is, I, I would say, I think it's being shot as a show for for adults. And I think that's why we're seeing so much character development as mm-hmm. opposed to just straight action scenes. Yeah. And because we are seeing more character development, that makes it feel like a slower show. If you come into this expecting, this whole series, expecting a kid's show, you are going to be disappointed, I think. You're right. So why not just shoot it as an adult show? Exactly. Uh, yeah, because, it seems like I all guess the like because the source material is YA. They feel like I know, which yeah. is such a misunderstanding of YA. I'm I'm so sick of that. YA just means oh, it's just kid stuff. No, it's right. not. Yeah, no, that's not an excuse to not have quality or 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 the you think young adults can't handle mature more mature themes. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not arguing for full penetration. But Jesus <laughs> no. Christ, there's an in between place. Yeah. Um. I think showing like the horrors of killing people, such as blood being everywhere, is right. probably okay, especially when a lot of these kids are probably playing video games with persistent gore as an option that you can take. Right. Or these kids, like the kids on screen, watched a woman slit a man's throat. Yeah. Those kids have to live with it. And you're telling me that your children well, can't I wrote, understand I... that that man needed to die? Lyra watched a dude being tortured through a porthole right. in a previous episode and you're telling me yeah it's yes it's interesting and you can't show the torture but you can just imply it like let yeah. your imagination go wild guys yeah like i mean yeah nobody's asking for like bamboo shoots under the fingernails but there's a <laughs> there's absolutely a place in between yeah uh, well at least it's not nipples because that would be <laughs> over the line <laughs> yeah i guess it's that classic tug of war between censorship and doing a story justice doing subject matter justice Mm -hmm. i think that's all we've got this week as far as the episode goes we're not going to do a spoiler section we don't really have spoilers to talk about uh but we do have a few pieces of feedback to get into Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! 
It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. If you would like to send feedback, you can do so at tv at baldmove.com. We also have a discussion over on the forums at forums.baldmove.com. Of course, you can find us at any social media at baldmove. Alexis and I have separate individual social medias, but you'll have to work to find those. (laughs) (laughs) So our first piece of feedback this week is from Beth. Beth says, this episode really, really worked for me. I think where the show missed last week with not quite managing to show the horror, they pretty much nailed here. It was so eerie. I'm so hyped for next week, although it's a shame they haven't spent more time with Lyra and Yorick. Although I get why they changed it for Lee as his motivations past what happens in the station. Uh, So here's what I loved. The look of the station. Eerie and miserable, not quite human almost. Big props to set and light design for saying a lot without the need for exposition. I like the choice to have the children mostly silent. It's practical because the less you need the child actors to do, the better, but it also just showed how defeated and scared they all were. They did a good job on cutting down what happens from the book to make it actually a lot more realistic for Lyra to accomplish, which I really liked. Yeah, that's fair. And I do I do think that they got the mood of the facility right. Mm-hmm. That's a good observation. Daphne Keen was brilliant throughout, which doesn't need saying again, but she really managed with the fear and desperation needed really well. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger, I cannot cope with his big eyes, and his adorable, <laughs> chubby little face starts to fill up with tears, and he looks so relieved and happy to see Lyra. I love them together. Friendship is so good. Yeah, super cute, especially the way he like hugs her at the end. It's it's really sweet. It is. Yeah. Very pure. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Scott's tiny cameo just because I love him yep same girl (laughs) he's not at all what I imagined for the character especially with the way that Andrew tends to play characters as slightly stuttery and unsure I I don't know you might be confusing him with Hugh Grant which is or maybe that's just an English way to play them but I don't remember Andrew Scott as being stuttery I imagine him as the very confident and scary intimidating Moriarty from the Sherlock Holmes series Hmm. interesting which is the villain to Sherlock, of course, if you're not familiar. Um, He was, of course, the hot priest in Fleabag. (laughs) So I hear. (laughs) Which is, I I think both of them are available on Hulu if you're a subscriber, and they're short seasons, short episodes, so definitely worth uh, following up on that because I think she's winning a ton of awards for it, right, as we speak. As we speak. Who's she? Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Okay. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I knew, but I I wanted you to say it so other people could get it. But I knew for sure. I definitely knew that. Yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge created this hot priest, which is insane. And I've seen him in some other things. I I like it every time I see him show up. That's just his most recognizable thing right now, which is why I keep mentioning it. Um, Beth continues, the scene between Miss Coulter and Lyra, perfect. Both performances were amazing. Of course it was. We agree with that. Um, I really dig that we're getting to see that Mrs. Coulter is a religious fanatic here. The hints about how she feels about her demon all uh, season really culminated here. Mm -hmm. She has such a disconnect with her demon and it 
and what it means for her as a person that it actually makes sense that she would think cutting them away would be a good thing. It gives her character a lot of depth. She's a very ambitious person and ruthless too, so I would believe that she might run something like this just to get the standing she lost because of what happened around Lyra's birth back. But this made it seem much more believable. It also gives more room to believe that she really does care about Lyra, but also feels the need to be involved in this project around dust. Um, Beth also says the confirmation of Miss of Ma Costa and Lord Fawz a couple. Either mm, way, it was nice yeah. to see them giving getting some comfort out of a pretty shitty ordeal. Yeah, I forgot all about that. They do. They show them holding hands as they walk away in the woods. I mean, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with that, but I don't I still don't think it's confirmation of them as a couple. I think it might be more of a free love type of thing. Like Ma Costa has unexplained father to both of her children and they might be a different father for both of her children. So it might not be so much as like a coupling down thing, but that she's that I don't know, Egyptians are the kind of people that find comfort when and where they can. That's fair. But I also, did make a lot of speculation about the father of those children early on, so I feel the need to defend that. Sorry. Let ships sail, Cecily. Let the ships no, sail. No, to- I was on board with the ship. <laughs> I was on board with the ship. This is just a soft sell to everyone who wasn't before. <laughs> fair. Okay, Beth has some things that she did not like. What didn't work, and this is a fairly minor, but I feel the need for balance. The fight scene was only so-so for me. The cuts were too choppy, which I think was a cheat for not being actually that good and make it hard to follow what's happening. Did kind of like Ma Costa getting her revenge for Billy, even if I was slightly unsure that it made logical sense in the moment. I agree. I think that Dr. Randall needed to die. I don't think Ma Costa knew that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He could have just started his first day today and was a nurse who thought that he was here for something different. She didn't have the information that we had. But we also know that she was going into this situation ready to kill. She literally said it in the (laughs) last episode. And if you're working here, then, you know. Complicit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless you are one of those mindless, demon-less nurses, then you're just kind of a prisoner there, right? Kind of, yeah. An unwitting it, uh, prisoner. Seems like slavery. Are they being paid? How do they live? I mean, how do they know how to function outside of being in this room? Mm-hmm. Is it? I don't know. Maybe they're more okay because they were already adults when their demons were cut away. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, she's one of those perfect people without sin, so she's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the two doctors were only so-so just because it was so tropey to have one that was very on mission and one that was a, a doubter. I get it and the actors did a good job with what they were given, but it raised a lot of questions about how the doubting one could have gotten as, as far as he did. I feel like we kind of addressed that on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure how I feel about the change that so many kids survived the cut. That's not something I got from the books where Lyra and Roger just let the demons out and float away. That being said, it was a really nice hero moment for Roger, and I like that Ma Costa now has more of a mission after all of this. I don't know. I, I feel like her mission's kind of over, right? Or maybe the mission is to help these kids find homes and lives. After. I think so, yeah. This is, I mean, if you look at it that way, this is going to be practically a lifelong mission. Right. Huge undertaking. If she, you know, really does it right. Because you can imagine just making that your your life's mission 
to make sure these people are rehabilitated if they ever can rehabilitate. And even if they can, their children, if they ever have them or their relationships will always need work mm-hmm. because of the PTSD they've experienced. And Absolutely. You know, it's going to take a lot of support. Generational trauma that occurs. Yep. Uh, Beth concludes with, was it just me or was Lee a terrible shot? He's shooting at fairly close range at that cliff gas, which isn't moving and doesn't hit it. Also shooting up towards a flame at random and so often doesn't seem like a good idea. Um, maybe. Yeah. I feel like they kind of establish him in his first shot that he takes that into a crowd of children, Egyptians, (laughs) and and he hits it dead on that he's a good shot. So I think they're showing that with him and Yorick like poking their head out of the balloon, that mm-hmm. the cliff gas is just good at hiding. That was my understanding. And there are always things that you have to sacrifice for just getting the stuff on screen. That's probably one of them. And also, like, Lee is, you know, he's got just a little bit of a, a wild hair in him, if you'll, if you'll allow. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> A wild hair named Hester, so it kind of makes sense to me that he would be a little bit crazy with the shots. Yeah, I I think I kind of got the opposite the opposite uh feeling here that he is a good shot, mm-hmm. but he's just doing so under duress. He is, and he's trying to like shoot around one this enormous polar bear that's in the balloon with him, and also the kids, and yeah. it's it's tight and it's dark. And these kids are going to be deaf forever. For They're like half awake. <laughs> Everybody is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he there's a cliff gas that like opens up the bottom of the basket at one point, which he was not expecting, mm-hmm. and he shoots it immediately. So, yeah. um, give him a break, Beth. <laughs> We're giving him <laughs> certainly quite a few breaks. <laughs> He's doing his best. <laughs> Molly, uh, firstly, damn, when the Egyptians hugged the kids, those demons had been removed from. It got me the first time my eyes welled up this season. A group of adults who have formed a culture around accepting those who have been outcast, bringing damaged children into the fold and without, almost without hesitation. So beautiful. Uh, I kept expecting when Lyra went to make some uh, chaos that she was going to let the separated demons out, which didn't happen, but I was at least glad they took the demons with them when heading south in little carrying baskets, which very handy they had around. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure the post-separation kids can never have the same relationship with a demon, but is there any hope for some sort of restoration here? I'm kind of suspecting that Mrs. Coulter was separated from her demons as it can be far from her, and she's not doing great, but is also not fully zombified. But then, is that because her separation might have happened as an adult? Can't say. Can't say. Yeah, they haven't told us what has happened with her, but that's... I'm shaking hypothesis. I'm shaking my head, but you cannot see which direction I'm shaking it in. <laughs> and I will not confirm or deny which direction. <laughs> uh, do you think there's any hope that these kids can build up something good with their demons, even if their relationship will never be the same? And yes, I see how this is a perfect metaphor for childhood trauma, which is maybe why I feel so important that this is all not lost. I agree. Absolutely. This is childhood trauma that's occurring and it's it's something that has to be reckoned with and yeah there's a there's a lot of painful things like the fact that adults can look at you differently Mm -hmm. and even cast you out for what you've experienced that is not at all your fault 
Right. Um, and which is why I think it's really important to have the Egyptians shown and accepting and helping these kids. Absolutely. Brie, is it just me or is the lack of blood in fight scenes a little distracting? <laughs> if they keep it up, not sure how they can pull off the York Bernardson. Here's some spoilers. Spoiler alert, guys. In the next episode, I'm not sure how they can pull off the York Bernardson versus Eifor Ragnarsson brawl because that scene was brutal. Also, were the nurses in the facility severed from their demons as adults or were they severed as children now working in the facility? I think we answered that question. But the bare thing next episode, if I don't get a jaw-ripping scene, I'm rioting. If it's too tasteful. Yes. Because yeah. they could do it in the movie. They could do it everywhere else. Mm-hmm. They could remind me yet again that bears swim in the sea of war. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you don't rip off this guy's jaw, I don't know. But also from the trailer next week, it looks like they are doing something interesting with Eifor. They're fighting without armor. They're fighting without armor? Uh-huh. Shit, I missed that. I, I, I guess I, I, I did so. notice it because I noticed that Eifor's face is clawed up. Right. Like, the, this is evidence of a previous battle they had. Mm-hmm. They had. I it's think. just his... Uh, that absolutely batshit crazy helmet he was wearing before was covering so it good. so <laughs> metal very good yeah our final piece of feedback is from Tabinkansaw. uh you've mentioned the visible lack of demons at various times and we will again mm-hmm. and i read somewhere that the showrunners made a deliberate choice to keep them to a minimum uh is that is is this pronounced minimum for the for the BBC listeners? <laughs> like a, oh, aluminium? like aluminium. <laughs> they kept it to a minimum <laughs> because they had puppets standing in for the demons when they shot the scenes. They thought it was too crowded and confusing to have an equivalent number of demons and humans and worry the audience would be distracted. I don't know that there needed to be a one-to-one, but there could have been at least like 0.5-to-one. Right. One or to two. you could show... I mean, you could show me a quarter... Maybe a quarter would be fair, mm-hmm. but a variety would be great. Yeah. They're not all birds. They're not all dogs. And I don't think they're all real animals and that's all you could afford. Mm-hmm. Sh- that is distracting to me. However, I think that does the story a disservice because even if a big scene with lots of characters look a bit chaotic, that's a visceral impact this world would have to an outsider and one that might not really occur to someone reading the books. Uh, You've also asked if the show did a good job establishing how serious it was to show human without a demon for a non-book reader, and as such, my answer is no. In fact, I find the whole concept of the demons rather odd and even a bit creepy, and I wonder if it is less so if you have read the books for some reason. Yeah, I think it would be less so because you would have a better understanding of the importance or the duality of having your subconscious or your inner thoughts walking alongside of you in a tangible form yeah also um in the in the books we see that like camaraderie between camaraderie camaraderie tomatoes camaraderie. uh kumquats we see <laughs> lyra and pan talking to each other in every scene basically every time she is doing a thing pan is there talking to her Right. And we don't necessarily get that here. That, and it's also, uh, apart from all of that, it's really 
efficient piece of storytelling Mm -hmm. that you can not do a third person type of storytelling where you're outside of the character's mind. You can be inside of the character's mind and outside at the exact same time. Right. And so that's why it's so, I don't know, it's so impactful for me. It's not something I've seen done again in any kind of efficient way. It would also help if we got more time with characters who you know, actually speak to their demons and have a relationship with them. We get that with Lee and Hester, and we get that with Lyra and Pan. But that is it right now. Yeah. Those are the only characters who openly, freely communicate with their subconsciouses, with their partners. Yeah. Uh, Son concludes with, I'm not really sure how accessible the show is to someone who hasn't read the books because it's so high concept in its world building and premise. And in fact, I haven't really run into a lot of people in online forums who haven't read the books. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how much of a broad appeal this show is going to end up having. Uh, if we just look at audience size, because these books were released in the UK first. I mean, Philip Pullman is British. Um, in terms of audience size for the show, I don't know how accurate these numbers are, but it's like six times the audience in the UK from the US. And I think part of that might be because not a lot of people were reading that mm-hmm. when they were younger. Yeah. I was because I was a weird kid, but I couldn't get any of my friends interested in it. They just wanted to talk about Harry Potter. Wah, wah. <laughs> that was me. I was a Harry Potter kid, but I'm glad too. to come back to this now. I, I read his dark materials between Harry Potter books. I was waiting for the next one to come out and I was thirsty, thirsty for more of the same experience. I did not get it with his dark materials, but I got something similar. I, You know what? I wish I'd really embraced that more when I was at the age of it, because when I read Harry Potter, I felt that I was ready to move on to reading adult things. Mm-hmm. So I started looking, you know, actively seeking out kind of adult things to read. Which, you know, really silly things to have read now, but I kind of expanded that way. I wish I'd dove in when I was about that age so I could understand what it felt like to be experiencing it. Because I know what experiencing Harry Potter was like. Mm-hmm. It might have been a good transition for you, too. Yeah. So because... saying this as an adult who's reading it now right. and missing that experience is one of those regrets that I'm glad I have because mm-hmm. it's enriching my life experience. All right. As an adult, I still look back at young Lyra and I like to think I'm just like her. Mm-hmm. I'm that adventuresome. I'm I could tell I could tell a tale if I needed to. I could lie to get myself. I could save my friends, you know, that right. kind of thing. And I can also as an adult say that I understand what's happening in the real world effects and the reasons why adults make the choices they do. And I think that it works just as well for me as an adult. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone who's listened this far into the podcast and you're still on the fence, Please, I encourage you to read the first book. It's just as gratifying as an adult. And if you have a young one at home like I do, I have a 13-year-old boy, which is, I won't hold it against him, but (laughs) (laughs) he's a 13-year-old boy at home. And I'm going to, and I'm having a lot of fun experiencing it through his eyes as well. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I, I still... I know we waited a long time to say this, but I still like the show. Me too. Absolutely. I like the series and everything that Philip Pullman is doing with the world at large. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, if you're going to try the books now, um, expect Lyra to be portrayed differently. She is much more boisterous in the books, and I will say bratty. She's a bit obnoxious. She's pretty obnoxious. But yeah. I was when I was 12, too. Yeah. It's very realistic and not off-putting, but she is 
a lot. <laughs> I was, I would say, show Lyra when I was that age. It's okay. more quiet, but... But still could tell a tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't want to tell a tale, though. <laughs> I'd rather sit in my room and read a book and draw stuff. Mm-hmm. Write stories yeah. that never went anywhere. Sit in my room and cry while I read the chapter where Sirius Black dies again. Because <sighs> I did that a lot. Yeah, me too. I'm not going to lie. Well... I think everyone's learned a lot about us as people in this episode. Ooh, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, sorry, not sorry. I'm having a lot of fun. We've got two episodes left. Yes. And I that's all I've got for this week. So we'll look forward to seeing everyone next week. Same time, same place. Mm-hmm.